and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Hello Saul, very nice to see you. Um, we are still in lockdown and uh, you and I were discussing our different strategies for that this year because uh, mm. last year obviously we had it in March and we had to get our heads around things I think this year maybe we're slightly more prepared for what we need to do but we it's interesting we on our estates we have different approaches so you should tell me yours and I'll tell you mine <laughs> do you know it yeah it's interesting isn't it because in essence um it's a similar situation with the pandemic. Obviously, you know the the numbers aren't great, and we, you know, we're we're all concerned about where it's going to go. And hopefully, the the silver lining is the vaccine. But yeah. I think at, at work, uh, we sort of have we sort of changed our we haven't changed our minds on how we're working it. The thing was last year we didn't have a, a idea what the what it was all about really. So we were sort of going worst case scenario. So. Uh, if you listened to the podcast last year, you know that I got incredibly tired because I had to <laughs> let go of all my garden staff. So it was just me gardening 16 acres on my own, one shovel and uh, three push mowers. And that was, uh, you know, that was that was tiring. So this year we've um, we haven't let go of the staff. They're still with us. So we're sort of Great. we're sort of taking it easy. But obviously we've had to alter. And I know this is where we probably overlap a little bit mm. in that we've had to think about our working practices and, and but mostly um, our sort of um, ancillary spaces where we have our lunch. Uh, our, our toilet facilities, our cleaning facilities and things like that. So we've had to separate those up so that everyone has their own area. Or I've had to split when the staff are working because I have a part time uh, staff. I've had to sort of move them around so they're not overlapping so much. Yeah. So one comes in one day and one comes in another. And we, we found that actually when they got back with me in August, September, that actually has been working uh, really well and we hope that that is how we can continue and that uh, you know at the moment touch all the wood around me we haven't had a case uh, the family are still in residence they haven't had a case so we're you know we're thinking of them and protecting their space as well mm. but um, the good thing is is that we are feeling like we're able to keep the gardening up to the level we wanted to last year but weren't able to because I had to get rid of my staff yeah how about you well so we are in that sense similar because I know in lockdown one we didn't let staff go we we were mm. lucky in that we were able to keep staff on and we did what you're doing which is actually um, having people coming in on different days uh, we haven't got a massive team at East London uh, so there's, there's myself there's Ian my husband there's Jade uh, we now have Nick and Aidy uh, so none of us are full time 
for example, we've got uh, Ian going in three days a week. Jay goes in two days a week. Nick goes in one. Aidy's doing grass cutting at the minute. So really there's not a massive amount for him to be doing and he can keep himself to himself. So, so that is how we're working, just physically separating ourselves out. And we're just being, again, very mindful of the house. Uh, all communication is by telephone or email because we have people in the house who are highly vulnerable. So we, mm. we do need to be mindful of that. And carers who are in the house and then they're out in around the estate in their own properties as well so we we've got bits to juggle but it's it's working well it's working fine and nobody feels at risk so that's that's absolutely the main thing yeah it's about being sensible isn't it and and also making sure that you are truthful with yourself that if anything you know if you do have any symptoms or anything yeah that you you pipe up and that you isolate and i think that's the you know that's the advice for everyone but i think you know in very small teams and and sort of small situations i think it's it's really important that everyone sort of plays to the same hymn sheet i think and I, i think that's what's happening in gardens all the way from the national trust all the way down to private gardens and self-employed gardeners as well yeah exactly well you know we've had to have some quite you know really honest discussions about how we feel about things and and uh, i know i've got people in our family who are very vulnerable and who i wouldn't want exposed to anything and and a lot of it's on on trust and and ensuring that people are as you say comfortable with, with what we're agreeing and so that's all we can recommend isn't it, in those situations if you're working with a team of people just to be open honest communicate keep keep communicating you know keep checking in on each other and and uh, ensuring that the situation change is the same and if it adjusts just adjust with it and uh, that's that's all we can do at the moment yeah and the main thing is you just keep enjoying being outside enjoy being in the garden it's one of those hobbies that everyone can do whether we're in lockdown not lockdown you know i think i think we're very we i think the one thing i've learned this year is we're very blessed we're very lucky to be in this sector, in, in the oh, occupation we are. Yeah. But also it being one of our chief loves as well in our, you know, our, our own lives. So, you know, we've got to keep enjoying it as much as we can. Oh, that's my, that is definitely my objective for this year. Absolutely. Talking about adjusting and changing and, and making sure that things are fluid and evolving. We, we've noticed that the garden media industry as a whole the landscape of that is shifting and adjusting and it's been doing so ever since covid sadly introduced itself to us and we thought we'd just discuss the year that's gone by and maybe what we think is going to happen in this year and our observations and our thoughts on that we should say that we know that our major television flagship show gardener's world has produced two winter programs one has been already aired and i think there's one coming out this week isn't there later this week yeah that's it yeah yeah, yeah. hour long specials uh, and winter specials they're calling them the mm. winter specials which is which is really interesting because uh, they've always shied away from doing programs during the winter they've always stopped in they had this arbitrary cutoff date that's when right. the, i think Many people are like, well, gardening doesn't, especially professionals, gardening just doesn't finish oh, and then start when Monty suddenly appears in the spring. I think it all kicked off on Twitter, didn't it? I think people were, were like, what's happening? You know, there's no one, what's happening to the to the content? And I think that's fed through and they've put on these winter specials, which, mm. which is brilliant because I think it emphasises the fact that gardening is a 365 day 
sport or career or, um, for us and that we're always working. But I think it also shows that, especially in the last year, mm. gardening in the media has obviously got a right boost. And, and we did notice this just on our specific, on our podcast yeah. in that last year, as soon as lockdown hit, we got a, an incredible boost in our listeners and in the feedback and in the amount of people talking to us about the podcast. And I think that's emphasised all the way, has rippled all the way through the, the media landscape and I think this these winter specials is just a, a sort of a, a symptom of maybe the media sort of putting more emphasis into horticulture again when maybe it run off the boil a little bit it was seen a bit more of, uh, of a, uh, a hobby for a, maybe an older demographic or, or people with more free time yeah. and I think they've now seen that there's actually a lot more people getting involved in it and maybe there's a lot more content to be produced around gardening. We all notice with Gardeners World, the content did, it shifted massively because there was mm. an awful lot of content produced as requested by by the production team, by viewers and by people, yeah. you know, just authentic gardeners who might be new to gardening or might have tried it for decades and they were producing their own video content. And uh, obviously it was it was not as polished as we're used to on TV, but that, but that again makes it just authentic, doesn't it? And I wonder if they're going to carry on doing that this spring, this summer, I would imagine so. I hope so, and I and I believe that the figures, the viewing figures for Gardeners World has a, has had a good surge. Mm. They have been actually over the last few years. Um, Gardeners World has built up quite a viewership to the point where it's one of the most viewed programs, I think, on BBC Two. Right. You, know, you wouldn't have thought wow. that because the amount of chopping and changing they do with it, and you know, uh, take it off TV if the snooker starts. <laughs> These are all old arguments, so we won't get into this. I know you get uh, ranty rant if you're not this. careful. Yeah. yeah, I know you get quite cross about that. <laughs> but I think it's great that at least, well, I say at least our flagship show is getting great ratings. I, mm. I believe we're, we're hearing anecdotally through our various networks about other sides of the media also having a good boost yeah well, yeah they are i'm sure we're all aware that the seed companies had a fantastic year last year because of the the rush on on people wanting to enjoy their gardens because they were locked down at home so that was um something that the industry enjoyed i know there was a lot of hardship in the industry but that was a flip to that but also then looking at garden magazines um mm. people still want that content i know there's so many routes to looking for for garden content these days and people were concerned that maybe the magazines and books would would nosedive and not be part of our modern lives now that the internet age is here but gardening magazine subscriptions and that's that i having worked as an editor on a, a gardening magazine i know that is your bread and butter because that income is absolutely guaranteed month yeah. on month so that you, so you can then make solid plans because you know that income is is going to be there subscriptions are are up are up and not just a little bit quite massively for some titles so that's that's very encouraging that people are still looking at that form of medium good old paper saw <laughs> as, as something to read <laughs> what well, do you know, a few years ago, I did switch over a few of my subscriptions to um, digital. So I was reading them on a on a tablet device. Mm. I decided I didn't like it. Actually, right. it was similar with reading books. So I've actually switched back to the, the paper varieties. But there's something really nice about getting a magazine through the door with yeah. lots of ideas, you know, a bit of visual, you know, uh, stimulation, inspiration, um, really great articles, you know. Uh, and I know that you write for a lot of these magazines, so I say, you know, it's really good. There's really good writers <laughs> out there. 
Thanks. Who 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 need to be in more magazines? Uh, there you go. Um, but um, the, we're hearing that some of these magazines have had like a threefold increase in their yeah. subscriber bases just over the last year. So it shows there is a real appetite for people trying to get information. The 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 one thing that I always worried about with the media and it's something i had a bugbear with them in the previous is dumbing down the information mm-hmm. um yeah especially because uh, they just felt like new gardeners it would be quite hard for them to digest you know the hardcore element of of horticulture you know the stuff we, we've taken years to learn yeah but i think that someone who has taken out a magazine subscription or gets involved in watching programs or or is trying to find more high quality information they're trying to take it from beyond that sort of seeds on the windowsill trying to grow the odd occasional lettuce they actually want to learn how to be more successful yes so i really hope that the increase in the amount of people watching these things is saying we need to make really good uh, um you know high class quality content with good information that people can take and put uh, into action yeah going back to what you mentioned about um, looking at digital issues of magazine when I was editing grow your own magazine that's something that we were looking at whilst I was in that editor's chair because it was the technology was was leading us that way and I remember thinking if I were this if I was buying the magazine I still would want to buy a paper mm. coffee and I did I just thought it was just me being old-fashioned but but it's good to know that because I know you are you know much more into your <laughs> technology <laughs> Comput- than my you are than my than I'm myself the computer guy. but you still yeah. like a, a magazine and that's a lovely thing mm. to hear because I to me there's a there's a, a certain there's a certain something about sitting down with a book or a magazine and reading it that's that's a lovely thing to do and also you just touched on as you say that the dumbing down the fear of dumbing down in our industry which I think all people who have got professional horticultural qualifications under their belt would be nervous of of happening because that to me is the richness of horticulture it's not just the the basics it's um it's all the intricacies i i do always relate dumbing down the horticulture to why would you ever dumb down a recipe you know people in consumers are quite happy to absorb some recipes that are quite complex i mean if you look at things like professional master chef my goodness what they're doing there is phenomenal why can't we always in the gardening industry just be happy to accept that people don't need stuff to be dumbed down you know we, we 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 can follow things that are quite complex and we and that actually makes it more satisfying but i remember when i was at the RHS, when I was first there in the advisory department, so this is now, oh Lord, uh, 20 years ago, the RHS was well known and well respected for producing that really high quality content. So over the years passing, having still been um, involved in writing for RHS publications and websites and things along those lines. I've noticed the tone has changed um, with the writing for, for not just that um, web page and, and, uh, and books, but but for other parts of the uh, industry as well. The tone has definitely changed to make it. I don't think we can worry that it's about dumbing down. I think it's more about making it accessible to people. Yeah, accessibility. And, and then yeah. when people want to learn more, 
they know the route to take. You know, for example, going back to the RHS, if you want to read something very basic on a topic, there's lots of advisory profiles on the website that you can look at. But then when you get into those, and there's hyperlinks to other things that are more depth and in more detail, then you could phone up one of the advisory team or one of the entomologists or pathologists, if you're a member, and then start talking to them about even more detail if you really want to. So I think it's about making it accessible to that particular gardener. And if they want to expand their horizons, then they, there's, a, there's avenues to do it. Yeah, I think it's ensuring that there's a link to take someone from novice to skilled amateur or professional, if you want to go that way. Yeah. Um, rather than just keeping everything at a, one sort of sort of level. And, and, and hopefully with the expansion and the interest in different parts of the media we're seeing that people do want this kind of content i know that you were having a quick look at um uh, talking of computers and i know you said you were a technophobe but you were taking a quick look at what the gardening uh content of the internet and and to be honest we have to you know admit we're part of that you know mm. our podcast is only facilitated because we have uh the digital uh the medium to publish it on yeah but you were specifically taking a look at some of the more video aspect channels weren't you on youtube and things? i was because because last year you and i and many many people within the horticultural sector who had access to a phone were being asked and being inspired uh, to produce video content because of the pandemic because that is something that books and magazines can't offer the, the digital issues yes they, they, you can get video content there but the, I think video content was so in demand last year for for gardening and yeah. um, good video content I mean there's lots out there but it's you know it's, it's obviously produced by everyone and anyone and you need to have kind of some kind of credentials or be doing it as part of a well-respected organization to to ensure it's it's really giving out high quality info and yeah just looking at the amount of youtube channels on 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 gardening i was blown away i mean obviously we we know about youtube we've known about it for for eons but just looking at the the amount of subscribers out there now uh, in comparison to Mm. to, to years gone by we've got people like charles dowding 381,000 subscribers on his youtube channel uh hugh richards the same 353,000 um looking at some of the organizations they're trailing behind these individuals which to me i find really you yeah, know that's fascinating I, I hadn't expected that at all i would have yeah. thought that people were going to subscribe to rhs and and the queue and all, all these different you know the big names mm. the national trust but actually it's these individuals that are really leading the way yeah the rhs has got 20 at the moment and i this is where i think looking in the future for 2021 i think what's going to happen because i've noticed that there's a lot of more video content produced by the RHS by um, by by individuals. Uh, the RHS subscribers at the minute is twenty five, nearly twenty six thousand. It's it's got to go up. It's got to because that's a massive big void between some of these individuals that have have put the hours in and the effort in to produce content. It's not going to take long before the RHS, with their massive resources, can do the same. Or as you say, the National Trust or uh, Garden Organic are very popular on YouTube as well. So I'm sure they will um, narrow that gap. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I. When you brought this up, I was yeah, I was flabbergasted by the fact that some of the individuals had a lot more than you know our traditional uh, big giants in horticulture. Mm. But I was wondering where YouTube and things like our podcast and there's a lot of other really good podcasts out there on gardening, how they're going to um, sort of 
relate to what we were talking about old media the tv the radio and these magazines mm. are they a supplement are people going to be flocking to them how do the demographics change i'm guessing there's a demographic thing maybe the younger end is looking at the the online space while the older end is is um, still subscribing to magazines and and listening to local radio mm. but um it's it's a fascinating sort of changeover in how people are sort of getting their garden information you know yeah well, i mean you you, t- you just touched on local radio and that's something again that i think that just needs people's attention drawn to it because obviously now there's many different ways to to entertain your ears it doesn't just have to be turning on the radio anymore you know and that, mm. that has, has had a notable effect on definitely local radio and i i personally i think it'd be a massive shame if local radio had to take a hit because of the way that you and I, you know, and loads of other people are producing content. I wouldn't want that ever to compromise something that I think actually is a, a really good resource for people who who want to tap into the local community voice. You know, that's what local radio yeah. is so good at. So whether there's something happening that we're not aware of that would would again elevate the uh, the popularity of local radio, I really hope there is because um, my local doctor's surgery, I always used to go in there. Obviously, not recently. And, and they'd always have BBC Essex on, always would be on. And you'd just sit there and it'd be like so familiar and lovely. And all the accents of the county um, and all the, the characters, it's it's something that's, I think if that was lost or, or diminished, that would be a real shame. Yeah, I think I think it's an exciting time to see how the new and the old styles of media drive horticulture forward, especially now there's an obvious appetite for it mm. um, and fingers crossed that appetite isn't just the peak of a wave we're on and then it'll crash down again hopefully we can sustain it but it it's a fascinating time to see exactly how gardening is evolving um away from probably what we understood you know 20 years ago we're still young lucy we are still young people you know <laughs> tell my knees that been, yeah <laughs> Even though we've been doing it for a bit. Uh, but there's been a definite sea change, especially in the last five, ten years, of how people are engaging things. And I th- only think it can be good. I, fingers crossed it can only be good for horticulture itself. That concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye!